Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined by my friend Brooke Thompson, the Director of Development and Communications for Annex Teen Clinic. Brooke, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you today about um, what's going on with Give to the Max Day as kind of our giving day example here in Minnesota. Lots of technology changes, lots of evolution over time as the people have gotten more used to this idea of giving days. But before we dive into all that stuff, you've been doing this in the context of Annex Teen Clinic. Can you tell people a little bit about what the clinic is, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. We do sexual health for young people um, all throughout Hennepin County, serving young people through age 25. So birth control, pregnancy testing, STI testing and treatment, and then of course a lot of sexual health education. So we have a very small development department. I am 0.5 um, focused on development. And Give to the Maxi is a really important part of our overall fundraising plan. So for people that aren't from Minnesota, um, Give to the Max Day is our uh, statewide giving day. There are um, international giving days, the most famous of which is Giving Tuesday, that is really picking up steam and seeing a lot of new people. But there have also been sort of regional or community-based giving days in, in metropolitan areas or around themes. But this idea of collective giving, of collaborative, we're all going to promote the idea of philanthropy together, um, is, I think, gaining a lot of traction. Um, the biggest concern that I hear from people that I work with about this is um, we're going to get drowned out. We're going to lose our message in this day. Um, however, there's some downsides to not participating. So when that inevitable volunteer or board member comes to you and says, let's not put all that energy into that big giving day thing, how do you talk about um, participating, not participating, what makes sense for your organization. Yeah, and I mean, I think you actually just nailed that it. it's all about what makes sense for your organization, right? So finding that kind of special mix for you. Um, and I think it's so overwhelming to kind of think, you know, how do we cut through the noise and how do we have a creative campaign that people want to give to? But at the same time, everyone wants to be a part of something really exciting and something successful. And that's what all of the momentum and kind of, you know, build up to give to the Max Day or Giving Tuesday or those sort of days is all about. And so I think that even if... Um, an organization doesn't have a lot of time and resources to put into prepping, you know, sort of what they would consider a, a fancy campaign. It's still worth getting your page together and being organized and ready for the day um, to promote it in any way that works for you. Yeah, I always want to make sure we're cautioning people that um, if giving decisions are getting made that day and you're not at the table, um, there, there's some disadvantage to that. It's not, as you were just saying, not a uh, universal, you have to participate or you have somehow lost. But I do think it, it kind of falls into the same bucket with year-end giving, that um, there's an awful lot of communication and noise that happens uh, at the end of the calendar year. But if you're not in some of those buckets for some particular don't owners to consider, you, you could really be missing out on opportunities. So, you know, like them, love them, dislike them a little bit, whatever it might be, I think we have to consider the impacts of both what does it take to participate and what are the costs of not participating in those days. So that all said, um, GiveMN was a uh, collaborative effort brought together by Minnesota's philanthropic community many years ago now and launched with a technology partner um, that was then called Razoo and had technology issues with trying to 
put all of the giving through one portal on one day, all at the same time. Um, and after a couple of goes at that, decided it would switch partners, um, set up an arrangement with Kimbia, ran for some years on that. And now we've gotten the news that we are back to what was once Resu is now called Mighty Cause, but it's the same company that has evolved over time. So um, we just got this news not very long ago that the, the plans have been in works and the switch is made. We've got some time before November, before the Giving Day happens here in Minnesota and before Giving Tuesday happens nationally, to decide what that platform change means. But many of us have just kind of opened up the new thing for the first time in years and gone, oh, this looks different. Yes, this isn't what exactly. I used to see. Right. So without a lot of, we for sure know everything about this, can you just talk a little bit about first impressions of what is this? this tool look like or how do you think about it differently from how you maybe do giving other times? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, that sort of everything old is new again, right? This was <laughs> right. the the old two that now is back. And so when I looked at our page, it was like, oh, you know, you have 300 supporters and this. And I was like, oh, well, that's news to me sort of feeling. But really it was because our old, you know, information was still there. And then, of course, we migrated our current GiveMin page. So it was interesting just to kind of see that overall, all right, what's different? What's the same? And my first impressions are that the... Um, the giving level options are mm. completely missing. You know, right. you have to actually click the donate button to be able to see, oh, hey, this amount does this in your community, right? And so that was my first kind of overall, oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm not sure I like this, you know, moment. Um, and in addition to that, the text fields on those are incredibly limited. So mm -hmm. when I went in to update what that, you know, what $500 would do for the annex, there wasn't even enough space to write that. So then it was a moment of, okay, let's step back and rethink how I'm saying this. Now there could be a benefit to that because clearly I'm probably being too wordy with what $500 <laughs> could do at the annex, right? <laughs> um, so it's nice to kind of step back and think of that through a different lens of like, all right, can we shorten this or think about it a different way? Um, but it was sort of an initial, just, you know, kind of that step back, okay, do I put it in my page description? Um, it does seem that sort of the homepage kind of about your organization has a pretty lengthy, I think it was 5,000 text characters. Um, mm -hmm. for that one. So I felt like, okay, you know, worst case scenario, I could put that information in right. there. I don't think it would be absorbed by the donor in the same way though, like visually, right? Like just kind of a long reading page then. It's really interesting how we get used to conventions about giving that you're just describing that it, we've been doing it this way for so long where when right. you get to a page, there are some choices of suggested donation amounts and they were going to be there whether you kind of liked it or not. Yes. It, it could be one donation amount and a blank fill-in. Right. But it, presumably since everybody else's charity was going to have three or four, this gets you that, this gets you the other thing kind of suggested amount. We, we got very used to the convention with this tool is we're going to have a suggested number of amounts, always with the ability for the user to choose something differently than that, but still um, it kind of sets the stage. And I always um, talked with clients that I wouldn't be working with about um, kind of put that, um, that top bar right up front and tell people like, this is where we'd like you to come in. Now, if that's not right for you, we can come down, but you don't want to start the conversation with 25 bucks is great, but if you've got 50, exactly. we, we don't want anybody to kind of like let themselves off the hook with, oh, 25 bucks is great, great, 25 bucks, I'm done, right. and, and move along. Now we don't see that, and right. that changes how do we get people engaged in what their giving might do um, a little bit, but it, it's also brings the next question, I guess, uh, that I wanted to throw at you and talk through a little bit with you is um, the idea of over time, 
how people, what platforms they use is not necessarily the the only answer is is give MN as the only place to give. Absolutely. Um, that when was started, we just kind of all assumed this is all going to go through this one platform. This is how this is going to work. And then because of some of these technology problems, we all started getting ready with plan B. What mm-hmm. happens if the site doesn't work? Where do right. we direct people to give? But many organizations in the time since this launched, I think, have gotten used to, we have our own giving platform that right. does allow us to talk to people in ways that we want to talk to them. How do we merge this concept of on this day, we want to be part of the big thing, but right. on other days we want you to come here. And there's a little bit of a challenge in the messaging too, especially if now this new place looks very different from what people are used to seeing. Absolutely. If people don't have GiveMin set up as their main you know, donation portal on their website, if they're not using that widget, that's exactly it. How do we address it on the day? You know, I've seen organizations do just kind of like, you know, sort of that homepage hijack image, the takeover right. of the donation page that day, right? You know, and so it's sort of instead of using this portal, go to give Min today. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be valuable, particularly if you have a match or some sort of incentive right. or need to drive to that site. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great point. Otherwise, you know, keep using what works for you. And and how do we urge our partners at GiveMN or other collaborative giving things to start figuring out how do we count those people that participate in other spaces? And that, that wall got broken through a couple of years ago as the University of Minnesota and a couple of other partners all of a sudden we found out were being counted through their own sites. And right. you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. Right. If it doesn't all have to go through the exactly. GiveMN portal to count, and these very, very large partners can count, right. when do the rest of the platforms start coming in? Exactly. And how do we start moving that conversation right. forward? Because I do think that the idea of collaborative giving is the important thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same site. Absolutely. However, the same site provides us the advantage of being able to see things like leaderboards in real time. Exactly. And the incentives provided by GiveMin, you know, right. and so that I think also is just a big deal for people that day to try to get a golden ticket or right. meet their match or that sort of thing. And I think technologically it's possible for us to think GiveMN or any other partner that wants to promote Giving Days could be providing incentives not necessarily only to people that use this particular giving platform. It's easier. It's right. set up. That makes it simple. Um, but right now that is how it works. And uh, the idea of that leaderboard I, I think is, is another piece of something that spurs action. If people see that their particular charity is ahead, they feel great about contributing. If they feel Hands like their down. charity is yes. behind, they feel like they should exactly. contribute. It Let's works both it ways. Exactly. Either way, it can work. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think that finding a way for a collaborative giving day to talk about um, how do we share that data in some semblance of real time, even if it's not you know actually real time, uh, so that people that are not using that platform for very good reasons count. Um, but so far, that has been an evolution over time right, um, right. as these things move forward. So uh, keeping that in mind that right now we're still encouraging people to use a specific platform so that it counts for things like um, instant matches. This is that golden ticket that you were mentioning that uh, regardless of the dollar amount that a donor may be using, if they get picked at random from the donations in that particular hour, their charity gets an extra $1,000 and there's one $10,000 golden ticket out there. You know, pretty meaningful amount to be um, shooting for, but it's a random chance thing for you participated in our site. We want to reward that, so here's a way to do it. Um, so those tools are there, and because of those, we really want to encourage people to think about that particular platform. 
Now we've got to look at what does this platform do this year. One of the things I think as they take away the idea of really prominent and a little bit more text-heavy um, giving levels and, and reward kind of pieces of what are you getting for your charity if you give it these levels um, is a little bit more prominence in the idea of working with uh, campaigns. Um, that we can set up um, multiple ways of talking about if you want to give for our scholarship fund, here's the campaign for that. If you want to give for our capital fund, here's the campaign for that. If you want to give to you know, our new program development thing for whatever the new program might be, um, we can set up those things that are visible from sort of a main charity page, as it were, but we can also segment our communities and say, we know you're interested in this one. Here's how you can give to your thing without seeing some of the noise about the other thing. That is, a, I think, really interesting case of what the new platform looks like it could do better, but it's still more work for you know the, the 0.5 uh, uh, time development director. Yeah. So as you think about how that, that campaign version of this comes into play for Give to the Max, do you have thoughts yet, or is it just too early about you know, what you might do? I do. Um, I mean, because obviously we know donor choice and segmentation are so important, especially in engaging and retaining an audience for your organization. And so I think that ability to kind of go, hey, you know, I get that it's important to help you put a new roof on the place. That's the thing I want to help you with. Mm -hmm. um, or something that's more gen op focused versus program focused is really important to donors. Um, and I think right now the ability to sort of mobilize, you know, your staff and volunteers around the causes that are important to them right. can really help you raise funds. Obviously, if you have someone sort of connected to the organization in that way and they're able to go, you know, hey, right now, um, you know, we need a new exam table for our, uh, you know, our lab. Who can help us out with that? Um, that means a lot, and people will give to that. So the the problem now of um, effort against return, because right. um, there's also this question mark out there of how many people are going to give through this particular tool on that particular day. Um, it, it tends to be, in my experience with other folks, and I'd be interested to hear if Annex has had the same experience, um, smaller dollar amounts spread out more. That, yes. that people that give on Give to the Max Day do the 25 and $50 donations in a few nip places instead of the one meaningful contribution. They might do those contributions towards the end of the year or at the big event gala or wherever the other opportunity is, but but Give to the Max doesn't seem to be the place where we're going to see large numbers from a single person. So now we, if we're going to talk about we have to reach more people, maybe we do more campaigns. Right. Maybe we do more than one video. Maybe right. we do more than one email. How much staff time can you put into one day when maybe it's only going to be a few thousand dollars with and the donors? That's exactly it because it's give to the max day, but <laughs> it's not necessarily the day that donors make maximizing gifts, right? In right. fact, it's quite the opposite. And so I think it's important, like you said, to be out there and to think about, okay, how much work are we putting into this? But then also to think about, okay, how are we cultivating these donors after the fact right. and then really following up so that we can get those maximizing gifts and really get them roped into our overall you know, fundraising strategy for the organization. But again, I think it comes down to balance, right? Um, again, on the day, everyone wants to, you know, how do we make a puppy video when we don't have puppies, <laughs> right? You know, sort of that, how do we break through the clutter? And so um, basically what I do is just kind of have a brainstorm with some staff or volunteers or anyone who's sort of interested in being involved that year. And we kind of weigh out what do we think we can, do, you know, dream big. What do we, what would we do, you know, if we had unlimited funds and then knowing that we have a very tiny budget what can we actually make happen you know right. and sort of try to shape something that works for us and often again it just comes back to having the people really being authentic and sharing their passion
And thinking about the incentives that do encourage them to participate in ways that are um, fun, as you were saying, the puppy video is, right. is successful because it's fun, right. um, uh, but also that they are um, not something that's costly for the charity to execute on. Um, I was at a um, the um, Minnesota Council on Nonprofits fundraising conference a little while ago, and I think it was the Minnesota Zoo was talking about um, auctioning off naming rights for like a Those baby bug. tigers. Well, I, I don't know that the tigers <laughs> got in there because they were, you know, that's a little bit more of a max gift, it's right? That's true, yeah. Um, I but, was at that session, though. But they were saying something about uh, um, insects or, or something. I mean, you could you yes. could actually get a naming right oh, yeah, for something. Yeah, you can name a cockroach for someone you love or someone right. you don't. Right? Um, and, and because those are easy to come by as yes. opposed to a baby tiger, which yes. is a very rare um, thing in the world, um, that if you've got something that's kind of easy to come by but fun to participate with, uh, then it, you could you can spur those smaller gifts to come in, but... All of that, and, and the Minnesota Zoo was talking about how much um, volunteer effort they were utilizing. That was a very volunteer-driven thing. But if you have those volunteers that are only going to get utilized in so many hours, right. is this the the thing that works? Now, in their case, they have some volunteers that are really passionate about this giving day thing, some staff members that are very passionate about it. It totally makes sense for them. Uh, is, is that something that motivates volunteers at Annex, or is that something where you're like, I'd really rather volunteer my time doing this other thing instead? And yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the volunteer. I kind of try to keep that balance. And so I think for a lot of organizations, you know, if it makes sense for you to focus your, you know, volunteer fundraising efforts around a February campaign, because that's when it works for you, absolutely do that. We are just getting into really kind of mobilizing young people around this cause mm -hmm. and figuring out how can we, you know, have them help us fundraise. Right. And so this idea of obviously, again, having a match and other incentives is incentivizing to them. And it being very a mobile-based campaign is obviously important to a younger audience and so for those reasons we have volunteers who are saying like okay yep yeah, let's maximize this how can we how can we do this and so we're just in the beginning of organizing our digital team for the day to figure out what will this look like and you know roles and responsibilities and really just spreading the word right and this, this would normally be the time of year when I would recommend that charities are, are starting to finalize those plans anyway it just so happens that well not just so happens I'm sure that the give MN folks were, were very planful about announcing this early enough um, but they have announced these new tools and this change. One of the things that's built in here that I think especially speaks to the idea of younger volunteers that are participating is, is better peer-to-peer -peer, um, fundraising tools that are clearer than the last platform. And Mighty Cause has done, a, I think, a really good job of evolving those tools in the years since GiveMN's been with them. I've actually worked with them on a couple of projects for clients that we could have picked other platforms. It could have gone other places. And we used what they were doing because it, it rolls up nicely. And, you know, here's where being an audio podcast is a little challenging because I really want to, you know, break up the PowerPoint right. slide Draw and go. It out. <laughs> um, what it allows people to do is to create their own fundraising page um, as part of an aggregated campaign so that the give to the max total goes up where I, young person that hasn't ever reached out to family or friends about something that I care about before, reaches out. And maybe I only want to set a $200 goal or a $250 goal. I want my page to show when I've hit that goal. I want that visual. I want that to be out there, but I, I need it to be part of the bigger effort. And these tools do that nicely. They really do say you can have your own individual peer-based campaign around who you're talking to about your messages and your what's important to you. And you can have a totally different message and a totally different important thing, but it all rolls into one big total for Annex to be able to say, here's how we're doing. And of course, they're all then eligible for uh, matching gifts and golden tickets and all the rest of it. Um, 
that was possible to do under the old platform, not as, I think, easy and not as visually pleasing as it looks like it's going to happen here. But holy mackerel, now that opportunity is like, if we're going to make that work by November. Exactly. Uh, that's something we need to mobilize on right now, yeah. you know, and that's exactly it is something to kind of think and really plan ahead for, okay, how are we going to do this? Because it is very prominent on the page, sort of mm -hmm. that other fundraising campaigns. And that's really exciting that it will total you know, for the organization, because in the past, like you said, even though it was possible, it didn't look like that visually, you know, that thermometer right. didn't go up. So it was kind of felt like an entire separate thing. Yep. And then the donor could feel like, well, which one am I giving to? Which one's more important today? You yep. know, so I think it's important to differentiate with this particular tool and anything that there might be three or four campaigns that are organizationally sponsored. So, you know, Annex may say we want uh, some new program money for a different outreach to a new group of young people. We want some capital money for some equipment that we need whatever its programs may be. But it is then possible to go out to any potential supporter and say, here's how you can create your page about what matters to you. Exactly. And it still falls into this same realm. So it might not be something that, that pops right on the front page and you have some more admin control about that. And that's another thing I kind of want to talk with you a little bit about. But um, to me, now it's this uh, challenge of, um, it's if you haven't done this kind of thing before, training the volunteer. It's just right back to the who's going to do Absolutely. that, where's the time going to go. Absolutely, where's that time? And I yep. don't know that we know that for this year because this is a little bit newer um, as to how much time and energy does a charity want to put in and where are they? Um, so let me ask you about new donor acquisition through those peer channels versus um, sort of maximizing return of existing supporters because um, you can put more energy into one or the other. And right. I don't know, um, strategically, where do you think Annex might be looking this yeah. year? Or have you made that decision yet? Yeah, you know, I don't think we've fully made the decision yet. I think it's an important year to really experiment with it, given yep. that this is so new. So this will kind of be our, all right, let's do some testing kind of year, you know, um, and hopefully basically be covered in all of those areas. The idea of that digital team and mobilizing young people is new to us. Mm -hmm. And so I think there might be some potential this year for us to focus more on that peer-to-peer -peer fundraising than we have in the past because of that. Uh, do you do much peer fundraising campaigns outside of the Skip to the Max Day thing? No, that, okay. not a lot, yeah. Well, and I don't know that many charities right. do that. And I think that, that this um, may be a way of kind of uh, testing those waters a little bit without putting a tremendous amount of staff time or energy. But to go back to the University of Minnesota example of them being counted separately as a component of overall Give to the Max, even though they're using their proprietary system, but their proprietary giving thing through the U of them uh, does include those peer fundraising tools. They've built that natively, and so they are already doing that kind of thing. And it's interesting, I think, to think of of the charities that I work with, how many of them have really got that anywhere besides a, a, a mighty cause or, or give them in kind of place? Right, right. I mean, this isn't a native fall-off-the-shelf no. blackboard implementation no. thing. And yeah, something that I would imagine very few nonprofits have access to or time to create and even think about to implement. Right. At this at this smaller scale specifically, that's right, for sure. Right, right. Um, so I think the challenge of um, how do we look at that and make our decisions about where do we start, I, I kind of like how you're thinking of maybe we just view this as the year where we're not about maximizing the dollar return or the we're, we're going specifically for new donors, but rather we need to test a couple of different ways that this platform might work for us so we understand it better. Right. But now it's all about how are we measuring what outcomes are different campaigns giving us and how do we learn from what that looks like. Right. 
Um, so is the idea of being able to tie any of this information, I assume you have a, a, a giving database at Annex that is not GiveMN, or is that not right. correct? Right, yep. No, so if you want to get your data out of GiveMN and import it in the past, has that been relatively easy for you to It move? has, okay. yeah. Just a simple Excel export and then upload to my system. So you expect that that's going to continue to be... I'm hoping so, yeah. Okay. yeah. I've, I've exported information out of Mighty Cause before. It looks the same, so okay. I, I don't expect that that should be a concern. Sure. But it is that one more manual step that right. in terms of the what are we making sure to um, keep from that that we are allowed to keep from right. that um, uh, that you know mostly I think that this platform does a pretty good job of giving us everything the donor is willing to give us if the donor wants to remain anonymous of course on any of our systems they get to remain anonymous Absolutely. and we, we, right. we respect that and, Absolutely. Um, and that's that but if they do fill out um, all the information about an address and a phone number and an email address and whatnot that um, we'd be able to get that information move it into the system with that note of not just that they came from GiveMN, but they came from this peer campaign from GiveMN. So we know exactly. it was that volunteer that had right. the connection or yep. whatever. And be able to make that connection in your database then. But that will then take extra staff time. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and then the idea of how do you plan to follow up with those folks? If their right. first connection is because of a peer-based campaign, in a perfect world where you've got oodles and oodles of coordinated volunteer time and staff time, um, those folks are going to be contacted to say, thank you so much for this. You brought these people in. We'd love you to help us kind of continue a relationship. Here's how we can do that together right. thing so that it's not this cold handoff of, uh, you know, your, your friend Brooke asked you to give, you gave, so now you're yep. mine and exactly. I own you. And you're like, right. oh, no, well, not yet. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, how do you think about kind of warming the relationship up after GiveMN? I mean, uh, are there specific messages that you think about or how do you continue to... You know, we've just been, again, starting to think about, okay, what is the stewardship going to look like yeah. on this? And again, I think it's so important to how can we do something face-to-face? -face? And we know mm -hmm. everyone is so busy and no one yeah. wants to go to any more events or one <laughs> more thing, right? So rather than just kind of that standard come tour our office or meet the staff, what else do we have that we can invite mm -hmm. people to? Um, and that's something we're actually still grappling with. We don't have an answer to that yet. Well, that in-person opportunity is a really good idea, but making it something that's um, accessible and fun rather than obligatory exactly. is really that um, is always the key. Yeah. A, a, a tough balance. I, I just had a meeting earlier today with a, a group that I'm working with about the you know next hundred dollar event where right. we, we, the purpose of that thing is to to start bringing some money in. It is not anymore to be fun and, and right. accessible. It <laughs> really is about people that we have relationships with that we really think understand the value of what we're doing and and we need to actually have them come in with support now. Right. So some not every event needs to be accessible for everybody, but there right. needs to be some right. that, that translates that relationship from this very, very large giving day thing into something that matters more about your mission or your work. Absolutely. And an event where you're not asking for money. Again, no. just focusing on really building that relationship and showing them the impact of their contribution. Mm -hmm. But of course, that costs money to do. So again, there's always that balance. Yeah. So the platform has also got um, these new um, uh, badges and links, and I don't see the embedded widget with the donor ask stuff being able to sit in your site anymore. And maybe I'm just missing it. Have you had a chance to I kick into that? I actually just was looking at it today, and I saw where I was able to do it, but then I had an issue when I was trying to upload it to my website. Okay. So I don't have it set yet, and I actually hit up my web developer. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, hey, help me out. Shout out to Carrie Walski. <laughs> 
Um, so, um, yeah, I'm hoping that we do get it back because we did just have it embedded. We just launched a new website about a month ago, okay. and I was all excited to have it finally embedded again. We hadn't in the past. And now, of course, it's looking like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be the case. You know. Well, as we look at the new tools, I think it's uh, important to say if you are going to ask somebody to give through the GiveMN website and they can do the processing on your site without leaving your environment yes, where you talk to exactly. them, it makes it easier to continue the conversation to think about how they might engage other than just as a donor, right. all those things. But if the if it's a simple link and says, go away and give over here, and then um, with the best of intention, it's very possible that people are like, yep, I'll, I'll come back and finish you know, signing up for email newsletters and, and being socially engaged and all these other things, except by the time they get done with that, right. something done else with it. Yep. Has, has come up. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've found some way. It wasn't readily apparent to me, but again, it's new and we right. all have a chance to learn. Oh, uh, it brings up. Um, that I had forgotten to mention earlier, uh, the GiveMN is doing a webinar to kind of help introduce new tools, show people around. There will be more than one opportunity, I'm sure, coming up. It's mm -hmm. just that the first one has already been announced. Um, and I don't recall the date. Do you happen to know offhand? I think it's the... Fifth? Yeah, early September. Um, yeah. So this um, podcast should be launching um, well before that. So we'll try to make sure to get the, the link in the show notes for people to say, um, if we're saying, oh, gosh, I don't see that or I do see this, we're all learning. Uh, right, <laughs> so. absolutely. It was somewhere in settings. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that the the default that I could find is just here's a badge and it'll link and, and right. it's simple. Right. And, you know, simple has its benefits, but it also, for those of us that are trying to think about that um, user experience that continues from you're here, yes. we've been giving you information, we've been um, asking you to learn more, all these things. We don't want to necessarily lose those people at whatever time it may be in the process. So I'm glad to hear you're seeing something. I've got to spend some more time um, taking a look at it myself. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things um, that kind of lead into all this. Another thing I wanted to ask you about was um, timelines that you're thinking about now. Um, and I don't know if if beginning your Give to the Max Day thinking and consideration would normally have been in August, or is this something where yeah. you kind of push it a little bit forward because you know the tool, but now that right. the tool is new, does that change things? Right. Yeah, I think right about this, we um, do a big fundraising event at the end of July. So oh, okay. you know how it is the minute that's done, it's what's the next <laughs> thing, right? So I have about a week to breathe, and then I go, oh, Give to the Max Day is coming. So yeah. this is about the same time of year that I would be thinking about it anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, and... Again, I think what's interesting is this year, knowing there's been so many tech issues in the past, right? right. And I was able to find that they are counting all gifts starting November 1st mm -hmm. again this year. So Good. I think that'll be, um, you know, again, nice for folks. But that is really what I'm basing my timeline off of then, you know, kind of trying to build back, okay, are they doing the golden ticket every day up to it like they had done in the past? Because then I actually build in where I try to make sure we're in that donation pool every day up to it, right? Um, so again, how much legwork are we going to put into that mm -hmm. kind of depends on what they release for what the tools are and everything. Right. So many different things to think about in the timing of what we put into these things, but also against those other events, because as soon as we finish this, there are going to be some charities that are uh, not Minnesota-based that are right into Giving Tuesday That's as this exactly is happening. Um, yeah. And then, of course, everybody probably thinking about what year-end giving looks like for them immediately, you know, maybe simultaneously. So it's just a little bit challenging to figure out what resources we put into which areas. Right. 
Um, so is are, are anybody you're talking to in the field or, or Annex thinking more about some of these other giving days in terms of things like Giving Tuesday? Because it's just you know, not as prevalent that's here. That's exactly it. And I think it's obviously because of Give to the Max Day's prevalence, right. right? And because they're so close. I mean, they're what, four or five days apart, right? They're like in the same you know week. So I think that's really hard for people because it seems like, oh, we just hit up our entire network. We can't hit them up again <laughs> four days later. That's very un-Minnesotan. We haven't even thanked them yet, right? <laughs> Um, so really I, we haven't focused on giving Tuesday at all. Um, and this is the first year that I've been thinking about, okay, again, do I even want to have a presence? But back to that, like, well, you have to make sure you're at least out there because what if, you know, someone's grandma out in New Hampshire is thinking right. about us on giving Tuesday. Right. And I think that's the biggest challenge of, well, not challenge, opportunity really around, uh, the, um, digital giving is that there are so many connections of, of how the work impacts people's lives, whether they happen to be in the same state or not. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm often, Site, uh, Eastside Freedom Library is like my longest term client mm -hmm. that I work with. A fair portion of the donors have never set foot in that building. Absolutely. Um, they, They're so great. I love them. And I've only been there one time. Well, and, <laughs> and that's just it, is people believe in the mission, just yep. like they believe in, you know, the, the mission for Annex. And there are maybe some local places they could give that, that also support that same mission philosophy. But if it's a connection to that particular charity, because there's family in town, I'm from Minnesota, right. who knows what the connection would right. be. We want to be able to use the opportunity of these giving days to activate those networks wherever they are. Um, but it is challenging to think as the idea grows in prominence that um, they may be thinking, well, your Give to the Max Day is nice, but my Giving Tuesday is coming up. And, and I am starting to kind of think about that ahead of time and not be sort of surprised by it when a flood of emails shows up in right. my, in my <laughs> inbox. Which I, th I think that's one of the, the things that's changing over time. And I do want to kind of ask you, uh, as somebody who's been paying attention to nonprofits over multiple years of this stuff, um, how you see these giving days evolution over time? I mean, one of the things that I think of, for example, is there may well have been charities that had uh, just the link to the Give to the Max Day um, website. And if there was a technical problem, they were kind of out of luck until the technical yes, problem got solved. Right. And and from the first time that happened, I started urging clients like, well, we need to share a URL mm -hmm. to people that we have control yes. over. That if it's working, it's going to the Give to the Max Day page. Right. And if that page stops working, we redirect it back to exactly. whatever our alternative thing is. So all of our early communications are consistently saying, please give at, you know, mm -hmm. whatever your .org address is slash, you know, give to the max or give or whatever. But that that isn't necessarily the direct URL to the GiveMN page. That is kind of de rigueur assuming that you have somewhere else for them to give. Many more places do now. It's and I don't true. think that that was always the case with online giving, which yes. is why they kicked off GiveMN in the first place. Exactly. The very first year when the site went down, that was exactly the problem we had. We had no backup. And I was yeah. uh, that was obviously when it dawned on me, right? Mm -hmm. We have no backup. We have no second site. This is the only giving portal we've been using yeah. because we had just launched online giving. And right. so mm -hmm. that was the point for us of going, oh, okay, we need a backup. And now I think we have four, right? Mm -hmm. um, because exactly all you need is that tech issue to happen one time. Right. And and some of these giving sites, of course, have um, entered you in whether you wanted to be part of oh, them absolutely. or not. They went right. and grabbed the IRS database of right. any eligible charity and they're, boom, you're, right. you've got a giving portal somewhere else, even if you didn't know until the check shows up someday. Right. And you're exactly. like, how did I get $4.38 right. from somebody? Where and did that happen? And it's from a campaign three years ago and I'm getting it now. <laughs> uh, it only just tripped over the $5 right. amount to cut a, a check. So, you know, we got that. Uh, and I think that's 
that's a, an important evolutionary thinking to, you know, how do we keep moving forward is looking back and going, well, we used to just have one processor and now we have multiple processors, but still kind of one portal right now. That may be the next evolutionary thing. Now, we're not in the driver's seat of making that um, decision, but I do think that the charities that use the service can say, hey, it would be really helpful if we're already using this other database that's gathering this data anyway, if you guys just plugged into that API and took the real-time data out right. of it and we could just share it with you so that you could aggregate out of something. And then we're distributing the work. Yep. Then the processing stuff doesn't end up jamming through one site with thousands of donations at exactly. the same time. Um, and to me, it's a, another interesting question of the evolution over time of have we maybe hit peak give um where the, the giving levels got to about 20 million and sort of have plateaued a bit. Mm -hmm. now, it's not that there aren't more than $20 million being given in the state of Minnesota, but that seems to be maybe are we there for that day or is it just we need more tools like better peer-to-peer -peer support things where we can kind of kickstart it into another level of giving? That's a great question. And I, I do think that, I mean, everyone in my network has at least felt that, yes, we've reached peak give MN. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean we don't need to focus on it. Right. We absolutely do. $20 million is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but again, who's saving up their paychecks all year to be able to make maximizing gifts on give MN, right? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people. So how are we following up then after that, again, months later to make sure that, okay, we're building relationships and making sure that people have the opportunity to give again. Mm -hmm. Because we we are thinking that there's more possibility for growing giving in general, but it may not be all that tool. And maybe, again, it's that we need yet more energy, yet more enthusiasm. But I think that the charities as partners are running into that problem of how much can I sink into this for what looks to be kind of a stable amount of return. Um, Absolutely. And donors get so overwhelmed with the day as yeah. it is. So again, with everyone trying to be creative from their ask, but also with their thank yous, then you start to feel like, oh, well, this organization had the best thank you, you know, because they use puppies, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it really, yeah. We totally have to just get more puppy videos. Right. That Puppies is really going to help everybody <laughs> out. Um, I, I do kind of jokingly talk to people about the fact that if you're an animal charity on Give to the Max Day or a school, you know, you're going to be getting something because they're people that are connected to animal charities are just rock solid donors in those areas. They're yes. going to give. People that have connections to those schools are going to give. Absolutely. And people that don't have those connections to those schools are very unlikely to become the giver. And, you know, if it's a, a grandchild or a nephew or whatever, those people maybe will throw in for the time that that um, um, connection that they have is going to that particular school. But it doesn't necessarily translate to your mission has so touched me that I'm going to be a lifelong donor. You right. could try, and right. we all do, of course, right. to try and find those deeper connections. But in terms of this as a, uh, a donor acquisition tool, I think one of the questions becomes, have we gotten as many people that are going to contribute this way as are going to contribute this way? Or does the fact that um, the site is even still better mobile optimized and, and yet more people have better phones and easier ability to do um, financial transactions over the phones. I mean, the first time that the mobile site came up, you, you know, you're trying to punch a 16-digit credit card number through your phone right. is just a, a, a pain to yep. do. But, you know, now mostly my phone fills those things in exactly. for me. And I, you know, I get a <laughs> fingerprint read that it's okay and I, I don't think about it. So it right. becomes that one more step of technology easier now, does that give us that more donor or was that donor just giving anyway and the, the technology enhancements don't really matter? And I 
don't know that I have an answer to that. You have a guess? I, I mean, again, I could get back to I'm hoping this is the year to really experiment with that yeah. and then play with the data after. I love being a data nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you think about analyzing the data? I mean, is there a plan for this is what we can learn from GiveMN? I mean, who gave? Yeah. Sure. Um, but who did we reach or how do we know that we reached them even if they didn't give is a much trickier question. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, did they not give today because they gave to every other charity on their list today? You know, we were mm -hmm. number six on the top five list or yeah. whatever. Um, or were they just not motivated by our cause, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think the most important thing for me is, again, the relationship. That's what I'm most eager to analyze. You know, what is the connection that this person has to the agency, whether that's staff or volunteer. The most exciting thing for us is that we are now seeing clients, former clients, donating in a way that never have before. Oh, cool. um, so we're 48 this year. We also have parents coming in going, I came here, here's my teenager. Mm -hmm. So that's great and an awesome endorsement. And so it's really nice for us. And again, you know, kind of that nationwide, where did this Texas donation come from? Right. If I can't find out at someone's grandma, you know, right. um, so that again, often is being often ends up being a former client. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm most eager to look at is really how is the peer to peer going to work this year? And we're going to need to do that by examining the relationships that worked and, you know, how did folks actually come in? Yeah, we're running a little low on time. I want one more quick point and then just a plug for Annex. But um, the um, that idea of uh, this does become a little bit more of a, of a hard science when you have to create the hypothesis of where did this donor come from and can I prove it? Right. You know, um, it really Google only takes you so far. Right. <laughs> it, it is you know this really interesting moment. And if some of those tools are recognizing that um, it is the relationship to the person that received service or the um, the whatever it might be that brought them in, if we can find ways of actually getting that connection documented because it was a peer campaign that brought them through the door. And then we can know it's like, oh, it was that person. And you didn't just get the the dark social link thing, which would, you know, somebody sends an email with the the link to give and all you get is it came in from our donor site. Right. And like all we know is that. We don't yep. know what person sent the email that said right. please give and all those things. So we've got better tools and I'm excited to learn more about it. But we are also running very low on time. So um, I want to just uh, give you an opportunity to uh, pitch where can people learn more about the work that Annex is doing and how do they stay involved? Yeah, absolutely. Go to www.annexteenclinic.org. Fancy new website. We're also, <laughs> of course, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You do? I, okay. I, I said I was wrapping uh -huh. up, but you're doing Snapchat. Yeah, we have just launched our Snapchat. Okay. Um, and so, again, we're, we focus on a young audience. We serve right. young people through age 25, so we know that that's where we're actually going to reach our clientele now. Um, so we are just starting to experiment with what that looks like for us. And more in program delivery, less in sort of general communications or fundraising. Yes, absolutely. Okay. More in program delivery. How do we get you know sexual health information out over Snapchat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great to hear. I mean, I'm uh, very interested in when those things are, are presented like, well, yes, there's large numbers of usage within that community, but how does that translate to what this particular nonprofit is doing? And in your case, it's a very specific opportunity to see, can you actually get people to take action, learn more, whatever, through this right. channel? Exactly. Oh. All right, a whole nother podcast on that someday <laughs> after you've got some data, but we, we're going to have to wrap up for right now. So uh, Brooke Thompson, Director of Development and Communications for NXT Clinic, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.